Welcome to the Pro AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Sam Kingma. Today we discuss rigging safety at concerts, events, and venues, and how safety precautions have changed over time. Here to give us his insight is Trey Merritt, rigger and safety guru for Elite Multimedia. Trey, how you doing today? Uh, uh, busy. Uh, I've been going through some lifts that were returned from a church camp that they pretty much destroyed, so uh, I've been prepping them to get them fixed and recertified so that they're safe mm-hmm. and usable. Excellent. Uh, now, most people know the famous mantra in showbiz that, you know, the show must go on. Now, as someone like yourself who is a rigging guru, like, what does that phrase mean to you? Well, I'm responsible for everything that we hang over six feet in the air, uh, whether it's lighting, audio, video. Uh, if it if we hang it over either the talent's head, uh, anybody's head, uh, I'm responsible for making sure that it's all safe and uh, in 100% working order. Mm. Now, when it comes to rigging, it seems to be one of those things that most normal people don't notice unless there's an issue. Could you talk about the Indiana stage collapse moment and what that meant for your field? Um, it was a game changer. Um, before that night, uh, if you said the, the, the four-letter word OSHA, most of us would look at you like you were speaking a foreign language and just go, eh, they don't even know what we do. Uh, now, uh, we've stepped back and we realize that uh, we're basically a, a construction site. Up until the second that the stage is built and everything's ready to go, um, we fall under uh, 29 CFR 1926, which is the uh, construction standards uh, by OSHA. For people who don't know, can you explain exactly what the Indiana stage collapse was and like what caused that to happen? August 19, 2011, 7.58 p.m., a, uh, a rain windstorm blew in and uh, it collapsed the roof. Actually, it, it corkscrewed it into the ground, and uh, 58 people were killed, or 58 injured, 7 killed uh, in just a matter of seconds. Um, and most of it was due to the fact that uh, all of the safety guidelines were ignored. Because of the tragedy of this event, do you believe that this was kind of a wake-up call for businesses and venues to make sure that everything was safer and that things got done right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we now have, uh, well, this, uh, Las Vegas is a prime example. Uh, if you work in Las Vegas for more than 30 days continuous, uh, you're required to have your OSHA 10 card. Uh, and, of course, there's some exceptions to that. But for the most part, uh, if you're a resident or, or work there frequently, um, You've got to have go to a class for a minimum of 10 hours that covers everything from simple electrical to uh, general construction safety, hard hats, uh, fall protection, um, foot protection. Um, and now a lot of the companies are uh, you know, putting their employees through at least OSHA 10, if not way higher than that. 
what are so there's these 10 hour classes that most people are going to are, are taking specifically in Las Vegas and other areas around the world. What are some other ways in which rigging sort of changed after this event to be a lot more safer? Um, well, as it stands now, when we send anything out that's uh, by our company, um, I, inspect, I, I oversee all of the rigging diagrams and drawings. And uh, not only does the project manager uh, do load calculations to make sure that we we're within you know, spec limits, uh, they forward it on to me and I do a rigging inspection. Uh, to make sure that their calculations are correct and to make any changes necessary um, to ensure life safety. Now, is it costly for businesses to be more safe or to put in the effort to make sure that, you know, their setup and that their rig is safe for, for artists and for the surrounding audience? Um, not really. In fact, there are more savings benefits uh, with insurance, uh, and, and you know, loss of nobody wants loss of life. Our our main goal here at Elite, as well as my own, is life safety, and uh, you can't put a price on a person's life. Definitely, and so businesses actually will get some kind of insurance benefit if they do take extra safety precautions. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, insurance companies like to see that you're taking an active role in safety versus a uh, proactive role or reactive role. Even. So because of this, do you find that most businesses and venues actually take safety very seriously and have it as a high priority, if not the number one highest priority? Uh, I wish I could say that it was their number one priority. However, realistically, um, you know, there are companies out there that uh, the safety of their employees is not number one. Uh, but that's, you know, and that's changing. Like I said, it, it's been uh, almost eight years uh, since the Indiana stage collapse. And uh, we've come a huge, huge way in uh, correcting the uh, mistakes that we made for years. Because we didn't care. Well, it's not that we didn't care, but the show must go on. And if you had to cut corners, then uh, so be it. Do you find that most companies and people who own venues in 2018 uh, have like not adapted a push for safety or are still sort of in that mindset pre-Indiana stage collapse where, you know, it's the show must go on by any means necessary? Uh, no. I mean, it, there's definitely... Uh, a lot more awareness in safety issues. Um, I mean, even for instance, uh, they require, if someone is operating a forklift, they require forklift certification. Whether If they're in a uh, an aerial work platform, uh, they have to have an AWP uh, certification. Um, so no, I, the, and this is coming from the venues themselves. Uh, they're requiring riggers to be uh, ETCP certified or qualified uh, by a third-party reviewer. Uh, and I think that's all, that's great. I mean, if, uh, if they're not willing, if the individual's not willing to step up, then they need to go find another job. So for the businesses and venues that have adapted and are making efforts to be more safe, 
why do you think they do that and are going the extra mile outside of protecting their staff, patrons, and artists? Well, uh, you know, loss of time due to injury is uh, a, a major consideration. Uh, damage to equipment, um, that's a huge consideration because, you know, it, it uh, well, one of our clients, Luke Bryant, several years ago had a forklift operator literally drive through his stage. And uh, at that point, the, the show had to be canceled for several days. They had to do a complete thorough uh, inspection of all the equipment that was involved. Uh, luckily, no one was hurt. Um, but that's, that's all, you know, has to be taken into consideration on the, the bottom line. Has there been anything in the safety world, like, on the scale of the Indiana stage collapse since that happened? Uh, not to that extent. Uh, there have been several. Radiohead had a stage collapse in Canada several years ago, uh, where one individual, a, a drum technician, I believe, was killed. Uh, and there, there have been several incidences, uh, well, in Europe, uh, there was a uh, a DJ killed in South America uh, recently, within the last few months. Um, a storm blew up and uh, part of the roof collapsed and he was crushed. Um, so it still happens, uh, but luckily uh, not to the extent of uh, Indiana State Fair. Are there like safety nets in place for when the weather gets really bad or like a situation if it was to collapse, it does so in a certain way that would be that would cause the least damage possible? Or can you account for that? Oh, absolutely. We uh, we set up uh, an emergency action plan, uh, which is uh, a devised and agreed upon venue to venue. And uh, it. Incorporates uh, weather, uh, you know, of all types, and uh, just uh, any kind of contingency uh, uh, that, that could occur. Um, for instance, we had a uh, a, a large outdoor show um, last summer, uh, and one part of oh, what was it? Hurricane Henry, I believe it was, in Texas came through, and uh, we had to stop the show. Luckily, before uh, any of the artists uh, took the stage, but we absolutely shut everything down, uh, turned the power off, lowered everything to the ground that we could, and uh, um, took shelter underground with with the patrons. And uh, we waited out the storm. And uh, I think the the greatest loss we had were two powered speakers got slightly wet. Um, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, you, 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 have a, you have a plan. And once um, we have monitoring, we have companies that, that monitor the weather. Um, uh, WDT is one, and they have active meteorologists um, on, well, not on site, but they're, they're watching everything for hundreds of miles. And uh, they will advise us. Uh, in the event of a, a storm coming our way. Now I got one more question for you before before uh, we wrap this up. 
What inspires you to do this kind of work? Because as I mentioned before, it's one of those things where it's it's only really it's a kind of thankless job, only really noticed unless you know something terrible happens. Like, what inspires you to you know to press on and and, and do this kind of work? Um, it's the challenge. Um, you know, everybody everybody wants to go bigger and better, and uh, I, I like the challenge of. Uh, taking someone's dream and making it a reality. Um, and at the same time, I, I want to see everybody from the artist all the way to the janitor go home to their family each and every night and, uh, and have a good time in the process. Thank you so much for coming on, Trey. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe for previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Sam Kingma, and you have a fantastic rest of your day.